Welcome into the Card Chronicle podcast, Mike Rutherford and Danny Sennard back with you once again in this episode. Going to be a little bit different, like we mentioned on the last pod, we gave you guys some homework. We're going to be reviewing an old Louisville game. We're going to do this uh, throughout the offseason. Hopefully it'll be fun. Hopefully you guys can take something away from it. Before we get into the game we're talking about today, uh, Dan, how are you? How, how's quarantine life? How are the kids doing? How's your pregnant wife doing? Good. No, I appreciate the uh, the courteous ask there. Kids are doing good. My wife's got about a month left before the due date, so we're hanging in there. Um, actually, not the worst quarantine week. We had uh, the NFL draft tonight, which I, I know most people are probably watching since we have nothing else to do. And then earlier in the week, we had the uh, the last dance documentary with the Chicago Bulls, which like was something I've been looking forward to since the first preview came out around Christmas and it lived up and probably exceeded the hype. And I'm already excited for next Sunday's episodes. What's the likelihood that we can get a delivery room pod? Oh, wow. Well, yeah, that might be tough. Um, I don't know. (laughs) My my wife isn't really into media. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know how she would feel about uh, the uh, up close and personal action there, but uh, I will. I'll try to give uh, as many um, updates and details without throwing anybody under the bus as I can whenever that day comes. One of my favorite stories, like we've had, and I, I think I tweeted it out and people really enjoyed it. Was it Lila, your daughter, who was born on the day of the Louisville Kentucky basketball game a few years ago? Correct. Yeah, she was so, born when we beat them in uh, the Yum Center. That's right. So it was uh, it was uh, the 2016-17 season. So you had texted me and you're like, on our way to the hospital, we're gonna have a rivalry game, baby, like all this stuff, and like we're doing the whole like congratulations, like keep us updated. And like no less than five minutes later, you and I are having a legitimate text discussion about whether or not Ryan McMahon was gonna play in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean. Listen, I, I, I'm I'm there for my wife 100%. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's, it gets kind of lonely there. You're just sitting there, you know, waiting for this baby to come. And I got some things on my mind. It was a big day in the sports world. And I, I had some things to discuss. Well, we, we won. So that's all that matters. We got the yeah. job. Uh, speaking of games that Louisville won, we're talking today about the 2003 Louisville game at Marquette uh, in February. Uh, I think if you look it up on YouTube, if you watched it there, I think it's the only way that most people were able to watch it. It's uh, it's like the subtitle is Gaines versus Wade. It was the big uh, two stars of Conference USA going head to head. Fantastic game. We're going to talk all about it today. But first, a little bit of a setup for this game. First of all, I've forgotten, like, watching this, I don't know about you, watching this game kind of made me want to do a, a full podcast where we just talk about this whole season, because I'd forgotten how much I love this team, how much I love this season, and I think we've sort of touched on this topic before, but for people that are our age or around our age, this season was, it, it was, I think, a bigger deal to us than it was to maybe the generation that's a little bit older than us that experienced the eighties and got to go, um, you know, to all those final fours and see all those great teams and see those two national championships for us. Like we had been so desperate to be back in the national spotlight and Rick Pitino coming here in 2001 definitely gave us the promise of being back there. But you sort of forget when you go back and look at the seasons, like there hadn't been a year when we made those runs in 96 and 97, we were six seeds both those times, and the only other times we made the tournament in that sort of gap for us where we were like 
coming of age and you know going from like eight years old to high school kids was the uh, the years we lost as a seven seed in 99 and 2000 and besides that like there was never a year in that span where louisville was seen as a legit national title contender and was you know ranked in the top 15 throughout the year you'd have to go back to that like the 93 94 team where wheat was a freshman and greg minor and Dwayne morton and cliff rochier and those guys to have a season where they were nationally relevant and for us like we were in third grade, like we, we were pretty young when that was all going on. So for us, this was senior year of high school. It kind of felt like the last big like Louisville season hurrah before we all went off to college and, and did all that good stuff. And so to have that winning streak that we had been on winning 17 straight uh, before the loss to St. Louis, which was right before this game against Marquette, was such a such a big deal to us. I think we just embraced it a lot more than you know we would have had we grown up the way our UK friends had with all those national titles and always being good. It was just such a, such a, it felt so great to be nationally relevant again. So that's where we are here for this game. Louisville's number two in the country. They're coming off of its, uh, its first loss in a long time. They got upset by St. Louis the week before or, or during the the week. And I'll, I'll ask you before we get to the Marquette game, do you remember the St. Louis game at all? Do you remember watching that? Uh, I mean, I couldn't tell you one play that happened specifically from the game, but I remember, uh, I remember, I guess the the last play in the it was I want to say it was a half-ass court storm. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but um, I just the only I mean, I remember the only reason I remember that, and obviously you too, is we had a couple friends that were visiting St. Louis on a yeah. college trip that were at the game, so that stuck out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. Uh, Anything specific about the game? I don't. I remember we were ranked, uh, you know, obviously really high at the time, and it was a big upset. I, I I saw the graphic during the Marquette game. I guess St. Louis was three and seven in conference, so obviously that was a huge upset. But I don't remember anything specific about the game. I just remember we were at um, we had to do these winter workouts for baseball before you could actually start, you know, tryouts and, and practice and stuff. And it was always at the old Champions Baseball facility. And I think this was actually our last one was going on the night of the St. Louis game. And it was kind of like a double whammy, like me and, and our buddy Weber and uh, shots up Micah McNatt and all of like our UofL friends on the were on the baseball team. We'd gather around a TV like outside in the lobby area and we're watching the very end of the game. And so. Right as the buzzer sounds, we get just like fucking whored out by the guy who was running the camp for like like not doing what we were supposed to be doing and watching the game. So it was a, just a total double whammy. We have the loss. We're getting yelled at. And like you said, we have a couple of friends who are there who stormed the court during their visit to SLU. So that I mean, it, it sucked. But this was a, a giant bounce back opportunity for Louisville going up against a Marquette team that was pretty clearly – the like the other superpower in conference usa that year i know memphis was pretty good too but at this time like we were the two alpha dogs and on their home floor and i'd kind of i guess i didn't really remember the bradley center was nuts for this game like it, it, was, it, it was yeah record crowd in the state of wisconsin not just a record for milwaukee um not just a record for marquette i mean but like i don't remember it being that intense and i know marquette's got a good basketball fan base but looking back on it Super, super impressed by the Marquette fans showing out and being extremely intimidating for that two hours. And if, if you didn't know, Dickie V only said it 45 times during the telecast. He literally was like, what an atmosphere. I mean, I know that's a shtick anyways, but he really drilled it home that day. But no, I mean, you're completely right. And it was like kind of nostalgia watching the game. Like, I know the ACC obviously is the best thing that to happen for UofL. 
um, from a, a sports pers- uh, perspective. But gosh, like those Conference USA days, like leading into the Big East, like there were some really fun robberies and games with, you know, Cincinnati, Marquette, Memphis. I mean, the, some of those games just got super intense. And this one obviously had a, a lot of hype going into it. And it, it definitely lived up to it. I mean, we'll dump, dive into the game here in a second, but I, I, I expected it to be more just Reese versus Dwayne Wade, like the entire game. And I, I was surprisingly caught off guard when I watched the game, how I, I, I didn't realize that Dwayne had kind of the off game that he had. And Reese was still pretty good, but he wasn't as dominant as I, as I had remembered, um, you know, 15 years ago. The other thing that I forgot, just going back to the Conference USA stuff, I'd forgotten that we still were like using divisions this late in the CUSA. Like this was the last year that they had divisions, but I thought that that had gone away like way earlier than it had. It's just sort of a that's a, a blind spot for me. I do remember when Conference USA launched. I don't know if you remember this. The stupid one of the stupidest things of all time. First of all, the name was was terrible. Like we, yeah. we can all admit, Conference USA is a dog shit name, but. They had three divisions for the basketball conference. They had the red, white, and blue divisions. So it was I, like, oh they, my god, I completely yeah. forgot about that. Jeez, they separated. That it was done so they could separate like us, Cincinnati, and Memphis, which was is still. The, I, I get why you're trying to keep your best teams apart in football so they can play in a conference championship game and you know generate the most possible revenue. But with basketball, it makes zero sense. Divisions, period, in basketball makes zero sense. And they kind of they Shulman and Vital talked about it a little bit during the broadcast. You had in a relatively small conference, like small by standards of today, where we look at like 15 team ACC, you had teams that weren't playing each other in a given season, which just seems insane now. But um, I, I, I just I, that was one thing that I had totally forgotten. I'd forgotten that the Big East had divisions, too, at this point in time. They talk about that a little bit. It's just there should be no divisions in college basketball. Get as close to a round robin as you can. Make sure that everybody plays everybody in the conference at least once. That's yeah, uh, it's the only I, fair I way to do it. Yeah, I can't believe that we ever did anything differently. But anyways, getting into um, the game. First of all, Louisville's wearing its black uniforms, which are just pure sex. Like th- these things are fantastic. And I, I I love that they mentioned that they wore the uniforms four times the year before in Patino's first season and lost all four games. And Rick is still like, fuck it. No, I'm making this a thing. Like, like, like this is – we're not going to just – I'm going to be the coach who makes the black uniforms work at Louisville. And he did. Uh, we won this game. We won a bunch more of them. We won a, wore them a bunch in the 05 season. When we went to the final four uniforms. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I'll give another shout out to the Denny crumb sweater in the crowd. Talk about pure sex. That thing was <laughs> on fire and had like the candy stripe undershirt rocking underneath. Denny looked like a million bucks that day. What about the fact um, that Denny's just like the pure fact that Denny's there at the game? I know. This is, yeah. this is two I, years after he basically got – I mean, we can say he got pushed out in in a way that pissed him off. It pissed off a lot of former players. It pissed off a large segment of the local fan base. And yet he's traveling with the team to Marquette. Like that's something that – can you imagine a coach in a similar situation doing that right now with Louisville? No. It's, it's, it's unreal that he was doing that. And he's still doing it. Yeah, and, and I mean, obviously that kind of shows Denny's dedication to the program that everyone around here knows. And, you know, I don't know what kind of terms he was on with Rick at the time, but like you said, for him to show up just two years later after basically being escorted out, 
Um, you know, that's just why Denny is, he should have a statue outside the Yum Center tomorrow. Also, college basketball on ABC. It's something else that doesn't exist anymore. And it was kind of, I liked it. Like, 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 uh, like the graphics were cool. It, it was weird hearing Vital and Shulman together uh, back 17 years ago and they're still doing it now. But I kind of, I, I'd forgotten that ABC could get you excited this late in the season in the same way. It's sort of the way that CBS still does now. Yeah. And it kind of brought back some memories, them throwing it back to John Saunders and Digger Phelps in the studios. Uh, God. Yeah. Digger was, was always the, the villain that you just, everything he said, you're like, God, I just want to punch this guy in the face so bad. But um, yeah, it was, it was funny seeing a, a young Dan Schulman uh, with Dickie V who, you know, uh, I guess was a little more on his game than he is nowadays. But you got to just think, Shulman probably had no idea he was still going to be taking these rides. You know, twenty yeah. years later with Dickie V. But um, yeah, I agree. I thought I thought it was a uh, a well produced telecast. I've got a lot to say about Dickie V. Like like half of my notes are stuff that Vital said. We'll start with the fact that not even two minutes into the game. He mentions Jack Nicholson. Just starts talking about Jack Nicholson. Like I don't, I don't, I don't even remember why. Like I just wrote down Nicholson before 18 minute mark. Like that, I, I don't even know how he dropped that. And he also mentions Kentucky at least 75 times during this game. I, I agree. I had one written down, and I, I guarantee you did too. And we could talk about. It. He started hailing U of L's draft class, or, or excuse me, recruiting yeah. class of the <laughs> yeah. next year. Um, Brandon Jenkins, Nate Daniels, and he's pronounced Noah Diakate's name wrong. I think he called him like Noah. I can't remember how he yeah. pronounced it, but he totally butchered it. But I was like, oh my God, talk about murderers row right there. And also named him as one of the elite shot blockers in the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how many games did we get out of Noah? Did he play like half a season? I, I, I think he, I think he played three or something like that, and then left a note on his locker saying he was going back to France. That's the story. <laughs> God, yeah, I was like, like thank right. you, I'm going back to France. It was literally, like, I, I'm I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but it was, I think the story is, it was no more than two lines, where it was like, thanks everyone, back to France. He, he's basically like, the he, was, he did a Petrino, like, he did the Bobby Petrino thing, where it was like, the note to the Falcons, like, Hey guys, had a lot of fun here. I'm leaving. It was Noah Diakate, except he was just going back to France to play professionally, and that was that. The other thing um, that Vital did that it just sort of makes you cringe in hindsight. He, at one point, I think it was about halfway through the first half, starts talking about how Dwayne Wade needs to come back for at least one more year. He's oh got God, two I did. Yes, yeah, that was terrible. Oh, he's geez. got two years of eligibility left, and he says because he's not a great three-point shooter, he needs to he needs at least one more season back at Marquette. Which I'm just like, oh, I'm shaking my head at. And then also mentions that like late in the game when Wade makes a tough shot to keep Marquette in, and he's got ice in his veins and is a, a big-time shot maker late in games, just like a Hollis Price type type player. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, don't, don't compare him to Hollis Price. That's it. Just seems unfair. But um, you mentioned earlier. And you're right. Wade didn't play well in this game. He killed us the year before in the CUSA tournament, which basically knocked us out of having any shot at going to the NCAA tournament. And I think he played really well in the game that was uh, played 12 days later where they beat us at Freedom Hall and Ellis Torres ACL. Um, but he was not good in this game. Reese Gaines, though, you, I, I went into this kind of looking for signs that 
maybe I should have seen when I was a fan that he, reasons why he wasn't going to make it in the NBA because it still blows my mind that he didn't, you know, maybe not that he wasn't an all star or anything like that, but that he didn't have a serviceable NBA career. And I didn't really see it in this game. Like, I, I, he looks like a guy to me watching this 17 years later who should have had a lengthy NBA career. Like, he's got the size. He makes tough shots. He makes ridiculous shots. He gets into foul trouble early, so we don't see him that much in the first half. But there was nothing looking back on this that, it, you know, I, I said, 18-year-old self, you should have known that he wasn't going to be an NBA superstar. See, I actually, I kind of disagree with that when I watched it. I, I think Dwayne, st- even though shooting-wise he didn't have the best game, I just thought from like an athletic standpoint he stood out a lot more than Reese did. Like he had that one rebound where he basically jumped up over Ellis Miles. Where I was mm-hmm. like, "Holy shit, that was amazing!" Yeah. And then, uh, you know, his like willingness as a passer um, was pretty much next level for him or for a guy that talented. Um, I, just. And then defensively, you know, I know they highlighted on there. He had like the one play where um, they showed him kind of like reaching in for a steal and then his recovery time to like almost block the shot. So, I mean, there was definitely signs that Dwayne was like a holy shit athlete. And Reese, I mean, he didn't do anything bad. I just think from like an athletic standpoint, he didn't really stand out to me as much as Dwayne did. Reese always, and he, he always, especially like his early years was a guy that dribbled into trouble. Um, He did it occasionally in the first half, but I I feel like that, that year he played so much more under control. And I think that's why he got drafted where he was. Cause I mean, he was a good shooter. He was, you know, big for um, someone to be able to handle the ball like that. And he just played a lot more under control, but from an athletic standpoint, I think Dwayne stood out a little more to me than, than Reese did. I mean, he definitely was a better athlete, and you could see that even though he didn't play well, that he was certainly bouncier than anybody else on the floor. I just thought, you know, I mean, Reese's big edge over Dwayne was he had a few inches on him. I mean, he was a six-six guard who could handle it well enough and who could shoot the lights out. Like, I, I just thought, again, I'm not shocked that Dwayne ended up being a much better NBA player. I'm just shocked that Reese didn't last at all in the I, NBA. And really I agree. Really do and I think. I think part of it is probably the situation he went into to Orlando. I always wonder what would happen if he got drafted by a different team, a different organization. Um, At that time, they were just kind of, you know, not doing anything as a franchise. So it seems like he just got stuck in a, a bad spot there. Here's another weird thing to me watching this game is Tom Crean as like this young (laughs) <laughs> up and coming, like kind of respectable guy that you sort of like. We feared Tom Crane for a short period yeah. of time. That was kind of, and, and I'd, I'd also had forgotten that this was only his fourth year as a head coach, period, that he was that young in the coaching game. But his, he made a name for himself in those first few years at Marquette for like being the one coach in CUSA who wasn't going to take Rick Pacino's shit, who, who kind of gave it back to him, and who was just, you know, just as crazy with the referees as patino was and all the and you know, great game planner and watching that guy and then seeing how i view him now as this oversized baby human meme that i've just been making fun of for the last 10 years it was just it was kind of jarring to see him and be like oh yeah there was a point in time in my life where i looked at this guy and saw him as a <laughs> like 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 a fearsome human being like somebody who i hated because he was really good at what he did and also came off as a jerk and not somebody who i just kind of you know made fun of a lot like that was weird to me yeah and let me ask 
are we are we giving up on Tom Crean as like a successful coach, like someone that can make a run to a Final Four? I actually still think he. I, I don't. I mean, I don't think he's a great coach, but especially in Marquette, God, his teams always played their ass off. Um, I, and like even that team wasn't. I mean, they were pretty good. I mean, obviously they had Dwayne Wade, but they were like pretty good defensively. And then when he got to IU, it just seemed like defense went out the window. Um, and then, yeah, I know at Georgia, he got Edwards down there, and it's still kind of a rebuilding thing there. So I haven't really given up on him, but I'm not – there was a little bit watching him last night. I'm like, man, he's kind of fallen a long way from, from where he was here. I have given up on on, 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 <laughs> on Tom Green being getting back to a Final Four. I mean, even – and I agree, like these Marquette teams were – way more hard-nosed than those teams. Even the good teams he had in Indiana, they, they, you never would have described them as tough, and you never would have described them as defensive-minded. Having said that, like, they gave us a... Like, Louisville, this team, and really all, like, the first five or six Patino teams were even more reliant on the three than his later years were, and they're giving us a lot of threes in this game. Like, like Taekwon has some wide-open looks. Franny has some wide-open looks. Even Reese gets some good looks when he's not in foul trouble, and that's kind of what we wanted to. They start off in zone, too, which is a little bit weird to me. They did mix it up a little bit, but you can kind of see where some of his defensive issues that, that would, I think, doom him in Indiana. You see a little bit of that here in this game, but I, no, I, I agree with you more that the the DNA of these Marquette teams was totally different than the DNA of his teams in Indiana. And I mean, really both these, I, I I'd kind of forgotten. I've watched the, um, the sequence at the end there, the Diener three followed by the Reese three. I've watched it on YouTube like a billion times uh, since the game happened. I don't think I'd gone back and watched the full game since it actually happened. And I'd forgotten just what a, this was a great fucking game. Like, like it, yeah. the team led by more than six. It felt like it was a one possession game the almost the entire time. And it was, I mean, both teams played so fucking hard. And that was like, like really, that's why the Marquette Louisville rivalry started. We had no natural bond with them. We had no natural reason to hate them. It was just, we played these really tough, really intense, really fiery games so many times in such a short period of time. There was no way for us not to be rivals. And I think it kind of, I really think it kind of started with this one. I agree. And like one thing that stood out to me and we can kind of jump into more of like guys on the team for the cards in a minute, but the game itself with like no instant replay was just, God, it felt so good to watch. Um, yeah. Plus there wasn't like a hundred. I feel like nowadays you're, you're watching like games just full of, you know, 25 free throws for each side. There wasn't a ton of free throws. There was banging, you know, down low, the refs letting them play. Um, and I know, you know, from a freedom of movement standpoint, things have changed. And now the games are a little bit more high scoring. And to some people, it's, I guess, pleasing the eye. But, God, those were such, like, just fun games, you know, to watch when teams just got as physical as they, as they did. No, I had the same thought, too. It felt like there was a, more of a flow to this game than a lot of the games that you see now. And uh, that was awesome. I mean, I... Having said that, like we had a bunch of guys in foul trouble. Reese had, a, I think, a pretty shitty call for his uh, his yeah. second foul in the first half. Um, Kendall Dartes comes in and does the Kendall Dartes thing where he gets like four fouls. The other thing that we can kind of talk about too, you mentioned getting into individual players. I'd forgotten like how deep this team was. It, it was I I my jaw dropped when I saw it was coming off the bench. I was like. 
good God. Like, Alaji Muhammad was an absolute lockup defender yeah. in his senior year. I was like, Alaji's getting, like, no run. We had a young Larry. Um, and then out of nowhere, I'm sure that was probably Otis's first significant minutes of the season. He played his ass off. I mean, Otis looking like a... <laughs> A newborn foal, just, uh, just, just, just learning how to walk out there. No idea what he's really doing, but somehow making play. It was, and then Rick was just absolutely whoring him out on the sidelines. I was like, oh, yeah, you can tell that Otis is a freshman here. But, yeah, I mean, God, they ran 12 deep. And, I mean, let's – and rest in peace, Marvin Stone. You know, we'll always remember him for the, the U.K. game. That was one of the worst games I've ever. I mean, he was awful. Uh, I he, made a was, note. One of my first was, notes was, "Thank God social media was around when Marvel oh stuff was playing." That was absolutely brutal. Um, we had a lot more freedom for our big guys driving to the basket in 2003 <laughs> than we do in 2018. I was like. Okay, we got uh, a lot of fake dribble handoffs with Ellis and Marvin Stone just going wild, and then Ellis jacks up a three. I was yeah. like, good God. It took, me about, it took me six minutes of this game to be like, man, if people thought like Stephen Enoch and Malik Williams drove them crazy sometimes, imagine watching the big guys on this team for five minutes. I mean, God love Ellis. And I'd kind of forgotten that Ellis and Marvin started together in the front court, that Ellis started at the four and uh, Marvin Stone started at the five. And maybe that's because, you know, Ellis gets hurt uh, the next time against Marquette and he didn't, he wasn't around for the postseason. But like, it was just so clunky every time one of them tried to do anything. And Ellis, he rebounded his ass off. Oh, my God. He was but, amazing. like, anytime he tried to do something on offense, you just get this sinking feeling. And even watching this, knowing how the game plays out, I'm like, just don't throw it into Marvin. Just, like, just don't <laughs> throw it into Ellis. And Kendall Bartez, Kendall Bartez, who actually had a solid skill set, and I think could have been a decent four if he bought in a little bit more. Or I, I think he had some – I don't think I know he had some significant work ethic issues, but like still like these guys just trying to do way too much when you've got three fantastic perimeter players out there with you. It was just it was frustrating to watch 17 years after the actual game was played. Let's talk about Ellis a little bit, because and I think, you know, Ellis is like one of my probably top three or four U of L players of all time. I absolutely love that guy. So this was his sophomore year and uh, or no, wait, it was his junior year or, or wait. Yeah. Okay, yeah. He redshirted. That's right. It was his junior year. And basically, I mean, his freshman year under Denny was, I mean, he was overweight. I I specifically remember it was like one of the least heralded UofL UK games of all time. Ended with (laughs) Ellis throwing the ball out of bounds and just throws it out of bounds. And not Um, like not like slightly out of bounds. (laughs) Coming out of a timeout with the game on the line. Throws it, I mean, probably 40 feet over Reese Gates. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, you know, Rick comes in and is like, we've changed Ellis Miles. He's lost 200 pounds, basically. <laughs> so we're like, okay. And, I mean, we, we really didn't see too many flashes of Ellis. And this was just about the time where it was like, holy shit, Ellis is really coming into his own. I mean, he was rebounding his ass off in this game. And then, like you said, it was a shame, you know, about 10 days later, that's when he blew his knee out and we had Tom Crean yelling that he's faking it and all that bullshit. And then obviously we know what happened. He rehabbed and came back and was a leader of the final four team. But God, it it was, it was so cool. 
cool to see Ellis just come into his own, kind of where he started at U of L. I mean, the safest bet in the world in 2001 was that Ellis Miles wasn't going to make it under Rick Pitino. Oh, like, 100%. We all had that same exact thought. And if you didn't, you're a liar. Because Ellis Miles, and I, I agree, like, I loved him when he graduated. I think we, everybody loved him when, we, when he graduated. He was one of the least likable players of all time his freshman year. I mean, there were moments where he was, I mean, he was fat. He was just totally fat, showed no signs of, of wanting to not be fat. And there were times where I was like, is Ellis going to punch Denny Crum in the huddle? He, he, he just bitched nonstop. He complained about everything. Year. It was terrible. Like, and, I, I, and he just like kept playing him, and it drove me crazy. And so when Patino comes in, and, you know, he's like, you know, a lot of guys aren't going to make it here. And sure enough, like a lot of guys didn't make it under him. I, I, I mean, I would have bet the small amount of money that I had at that point in time that Ellis wasn't going to make it even to that season. And he becomes one of the bigger success stories that we've had at Louisville, uh, certainly of that era. And I do kind of wonder, like, one, what would have happened to this team in the NCAA tournament had Ellis not gotten hurt? Because they did – I know they ended up winning the CUSA tournament, but they did kind of tank at the end of the regular season and went from where they are at this point in time in the game with just uh, – in the season with two losses ranked second in the country to being a four seed in the NCAA tournament. Like, I wonder if they could have made more of a run if he'd been healthy. But at the same time, if he doesn't get hurt, doesn't redshirt that 3 4 season – we don't have him on the 05 team. Maybe that team doesn't make the final four. It's just, it's kind of one of those, those big what ifs, but Ellis was, it was fun to watch him play. I'd forgotten how little Luke Whitehead played before Ellis got hurt though. Like that was yeah. another name. Like I just kept, I kept forgetting the names of guys that were on this team. Like they kept running out guy after guy after guy. It's like, here's Dartez. Here's Bryant Northern. Here's Al Haji Muhammad. And then when Eric Brown came in, I was like, "You got to be fucking <laughs> yeah, kidding me!" Like, I, I, I forgot. I, I can't thing. believe that all these guys are on this team. Like, we went twelve. We played twelve guys in this game. Yeah, I mean, Northern and Eric Brown like had significant Louisville careers, and like I thought it was kind of odd that Eric Brown was like I feel like maybe like the fourth or fifth guy off the bench, and he was playing like he didn't play particularly well, and he was playing like big time crunch time minutes in this game. I thought that was kind of kind of different but he's guarding Wade in like some of the like the biggest possessions I was like what are you doing here I thought the same thing um but yeah god I mean it's just like you said this was such a fun year like starting out 18 and 2 and it just I I really wish we could have seen what would have happened with this team if we didn't fucking run into Darnell Archie um in the second round um because I mean even that game it just seemed like and I haven't gone back and watched that game, and I could be dead wrong about this, but I felt like pretty confident even like after the first half of that Butler game, and then that's when Archie went crazy in the second half, and it was just like so out of nowhere and such a, such a gut punch, like holy shit, the season's over. But this team just—I mean, a lot of guys. This was, I guess, you could say, where we really saw how good of a talent developer that Patino is out of you know the next couple of years, just to see where these guys started and where they finished. Yeah, I mean, Larry O'Bannon plays just like five minutes in this game, misses a couple. I don't think he made a shot. I don't think he scored. He misses two threes right when he comes into a game, misses a floater. And you can see that he has like zero confidence at this point in time in his career. I know he's talked about this uh, a bunch since he graduated from Louisville, just how much those first few years kind of broke him. And to see him like looking like a scared sophomore in, in this game – and then to know where he's going to be two years from now, where he's you know the MVP of the region uh, as when Louisville goes to the Final Four, is just kind of cool to think about. And also like watching Francisco Garcia, who you can see the talent there, but 
you can also see why he drove us all crazy as a freshman. He makes some of the worst decisions in this game. I mean, he's you know, like Reese and Taekwon can't miss at one point in the second half, and he just jacks up a three three seconds into a possession, or he just drives into guys. Like he, it took a while for him to really get it all together. But I, I also kind of wanted to mention, I think one of the biggest misnomers, and it drove me crazy about the whole Rick Pacino era, was this notion that he just he didn't play the freshman enough. Like if you were a freshman, you and people still make jokes about it now. He played freshman when they were good enough. Like Taekwon and Francisco are both freshmen in this game. They both started. They both both played big time minutes. Um, Shane Bahannon played a bunch as a freshman. He was a starter. Jerry Smith started from day one as a freshman. Like, Chad Millard. He played a lot as a freshman. <laughs> Chad Miller. Uh, <laughs> like the people, the freshmen that people got mad at Patino for not playing enough were like Wayne Blackshear. Shaquan Aaron, BJ King, like all guys that ended up being not that good. The guys that I think we now know should not have been playing that much as a freshman. Like if you could, if you were going to help the team, he was going to play you. And you see that here with Taekwon and and Garcia um, playing big time minutes and Taekwon, Oh my god! I mean, this reinforced. He was my favorite player from this. (laughs) He's unbelievable. He was. He was. Oh, I just. Like, the end of the game when he's bleeding and he's biting his shirt, I was like, fuck, I love this guy. Let's he talk about just... that for a second. Let's talk about... So, <laughs> at the end of the game, yeah, they do note there's like a minute left. Taekwon is is guarding Dwayne Wade with his fucking jersey in his mouth. And it's because he's bleeding and he's trying to conceal it. And Shulman notices it. He, he points it out. I think his chin was bleeding. And I remember at the time, we haven't even mentioned the fact, like, you and I watched this game together. We watched it over at your parents' house with a, with a group of friends. And I remember, like, we all were like, this is the coolest guy alive. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I'd go to war for this guy. In hindsight, I, I don't <laughs> – like, you're only drawing more attention to yourself when you start playing a game <laughs> while biting your jersey. Running. I mean, that's the last thing you want to do if you don't want a referee to notice that there's something wrong with you. But still – I respect the ingenuity. I respect the commitment. I would still die for Taekwondo. Yeah, between that and, like, obviously we all remember him cramping up in the Elite Eight game versus West Virginia. I mean, just a fucking warrior. Absolute. One of the sweetest, you know, three-point strokes that I can remember coming through UofL. Um, it seemed like every time he shot, you thought it was going in. Um, just a, a, a great career. He does – I. I his senior year is like one of the bigger mysteries. I know, I know like that was after the final four year and he, they lost a lot, but um, it just seemed like it ended with such a whimper. And I kind of expected a little more um, his senior year, but I mean, he, he pretty much gave everything he had, um, you know, as far as every time he played for, for Louisville. So I absolutely love the guy. He's always going to have a probably top, top 10 card spot um, for me on my list. I mean, he was just a just a straight dog. Like, like he was the one. I, and I kind of I was with you. I was kind of expecting this to be more of a Gaines v Wade thing. And they hardly ever guarded one another. Like it was mostly Taekwon on D Wade, and then sometimes they would uh, when, when we had a bigger lineup in Taekwon would take Travis Diener and like Eric Brown or Alhaji Muhammad would guard Dwayne Wade. It was very rare that you had Reese guarding Dwayne. And I've kind of forgotten Reese wasn't a great defender, and I think that probably played a part too and why his NBA career didn't pan out that much. But Taekwon, my God, like, just love the guy. He was in um, – my mom teaches Lamaze classes, the, the childbirth, the breathing, and he and his wife were in my mom's class a few years ago. And 
she was the like my mom said they're, they're like the nicest couple of all time like the woman yeah. tweeted about my mom on twitter taekwon's wife did and my mom said that she's like at one point i, I got to feel his stomach and it was just like steel and i was like why were you feeling taekwon's <laughs> stomach how, how did this happen but I, i'm jealous like that's uh he's the guy i i, I still love I, looking back on it i still love taekwon just as much as i did when i was 18 like just watching him play yeah. was, was awesome you, um, can, you could see i mean right away with him and francisco that it was like, all right, like we got these two guys in the program, like totally. big things are going to happen down the road here. No question. And then we had the, you know, Nate Daniels and Noah Diakate coming <laughs> yeah. next year. So we were, we were set, man. We were going to be good. Um, speaking of people that I did not care for, I really wanted to know if looking back at this 17 years later, I was going to hate Travis Diener as much as oh, I did back God. then. I, yeah, spoiler alert, I, I do. I, I hate him just as much. Like he was... You talk about like Duke guys and like some modern like leaning into the whole white guy mentality. I mean, Travis Dean, every time he got touched in this game, he not only went down to the floor, he acted like he's like on Omaha Beach and just been wounded like by 15 gunshots. Like he is he is totally leaning into the scrappy floor on like another coach on the floor. All that every white guy cliche you could think of, like that was Travis Diener, and he's annoying as fuck. Like I still cannot stand it. He he milked every fucking time he was on the ground. I was like, all right, buddy, get up. Like I know they said he had a bad back, but like between him knocking down big shots, like him just being a little bitch overall, and then the the game ten days later at Louisville. I'll never forget this. I mean, you remember where our seats yeah. were. We were a couple rows beyond the basket. The free throw screen. He, he, he hit the punching oh. free throw. I swear to God, I think he stared into my soul when he was screaming. I was like, oh, my God, my blood is just fucking boiling right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I share huge disdain for him. And then Steve Novak, I feel like that was kind of his coming out party. And then we all know what he did a year later when he came into Freedom Hall and just went bananas on us um, a year later. So, yeah, very hateable team. Um, And it was just it was it was awesome to win that game. The only thing that made me feel better about like Travis Diener. So we have a mutual friend that we went to college with uh, at Dayton who's from Milwaukee, Jeff Krause, and he would talk about how. Everybody at Marquette hated Travis Dieter, and he would – I guess he had like a Mustang that he would just sit on top of the the roof and hang out by himself and just like wait for people to come up and talk to him was always <laughs> the story about Travis Dieter. And that always made me feel better, the fact that like nobody liked him, even like on his own campus where he was you know, one of the better basketball players at a school that only cares about basketball as far as sports are concerned. I just love that he was still kind of apparently ostracized because he deserves to be. He's a, he's a huge giant douche. At least yeah. he was back in 03. No, I agree. And like, I mean, they really didn't have, I mean, I, Wade was pretty cool, but they did not have a lot of likable players like um, Merrick. I could have done without him. Um, Townsend, you know, he was just kind of there, I guess, but, the support uh, cast on this team is dog shit. Like, like they yeah, they really were. I was the like, fact that right. this team beat that Kentucky team that was so good and went to a Final Four is, I mean, kind of amazing in hindsight. It speaks, like I was, it speaks to Dwayne Wade really. I mean, that he pretty much carried this team on his back in the tournament. Well, Tom Crean, Savant. Oh yeah, sorry four, about that. Early Tom Crean, Savant. Yeah, the fact that like tra- we're talking about Travis Diener and Novak as the only other like standable or notable standouts on a team that had Dwayne Wade, like the other guys were just all 
they were basically the same player. And I feel like Marquette had a lot of teams like that, where they had two or three really good players and then a bunch of, like, yeah. six, seven. Yeah, I'm thinking of, like, the Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler years. Like, exactly. those two stood out. And, yeah, yeah, and then they had, like, a bunch of, like, six, 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 seven dudes that were brawny but couldn't make a 10-foot jumper. Like, I, I couldn't name what, like, I know I named Townsend, but, like, I don't think I can name one Marquette player that's over 6'8", my entire, like, the Hauser twins, I guess, are tall, but... Like, they just had no notable big guys there ever. Yeah, well, and the big guys that they've had have all been, like, three, like the Housers. They've had, yeah. the, uh, was it Fitzpatrick they had um, a couple years after Novak? Like, they always had that type of player, I felt like, who could just rain threes like a six foot ten white dude. Like, that's just, if you that if you have that skill set, you go to Marquette, I guess. But um, anyway, let's talk about the end of the game, because I, I think this is clearly the most exciting part of the game. And... We'll start with this. Louisville's up one. I think it's 69-68. And Ellis Miles gets fouled. I think it was Merrick that they called the foul on. Vital is saying, definitely not a foul. Shulman's kind of agreeing. I thought it was a foul. Like, like, like I, I've got nothing to gain by lying about it. Just who cares? We won the game. It happened in 2003. He got his hand. I mean, he, did, I, he, got, he got his wrist for sure. Like, that, yeah. it, to me, it was definitely a foul. And then Ellis steps up with massive balls and knocks down two free throws. But are we in agreement? Should have been a, like the right call was made. A hundred percent. And like we had had calls go against us earlier in the game. I mean, that uh, that should have been Dwayne Wade charging foul where I, I think it was Reese that took the block or, and, they, or, and they called it a block instead of a charge. It was Taekwon. Um, was it Taekwon? OK, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, I, Reese, like you said, had a phantom foul. So, I mean, we definitely had some calls go against us that game. And, you know, I, I guess that Ellis call could have gone either way, but uh, we deserved one. He definitely, I mean, he did hit his hand. So, Ellis knocks down both free throws. Louisville leads by three. We go down to the other end. Dwayne Wade, who just hit a crazy runner, uh, the possession before for Marquette, tries to do the same thing again to cut the lead to one. Um, I think this, it got blocked by, was it Haji Mahal? Somebody blocked the shot or somebody deflected whatever he was trying to do. It was kind of an awkward play. They get an out-of-bounds play, and Taekwon, God love him, loses Travis Diener just a little bit. And yeah, well, I didn't even think it was a terrible – I mean, like, it's not like he, like, went under a screen or anything. I mean, he was chasing him, and Diener just got – you know, he got loose a little bit and had a tough shot. Yeah, you, you either you either got to fight through the screen and make sure that he can't catch and shoot, or somebody's got to pop out and help. I, I think maybe somebody else messed up. But if it wasn't, like, Taekwon, he's a, he's a step or two slow there. But Diener hits the shot, and then – all hell breaks loose on the other end. And we got to talk about, I mean, one of the better, cooler, and more memorable shots of the last 20 years of Louisville basketball. And let's start with the fact that it's a terrible shot. Like, it, it is a terrible, terrible shot that Reese Gaines takes. Not only is he, like, a solid five feet behind the three-point line, if not more, he takes it with six and a half seconds to go. If he misses that shot... Like Marquette's got the ball and a solid chance to win the game when you were just up by three with 11 seconds to go just a second ago. Like it, it's a it's a terrible, terrible shot. Um, but my God, like the moment he hits it and Vital for all the shit that we've given him for this broadcast, it's a pretty cool call. Like the whole yeah. he's from Wisconsin yelling. It's an awesome moment. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And um, yeah, I think I mean. This was 15 years later. I'm, I can all see us in my basement right now being like, no, like as he like pulls up from there. Um, but, can I talk yeah. about what happened after he made the shot actually in the basement? Because I I remember this vividly. I, I guarantee you do. You have a memory that I've never seen in my life. 
So we're in your parents' old basement, and it's like I think it's like what six or seven of us over there, and Reese hits the shot, and after they call the timeout, like we have like a dog pile behind the couch in your basement. It's like me and like the rest of our friends, and I look over, and it's just you holding up your dog in celebration, <laughs> like shaking the dog in the middle there. You're on your back. You're holding the dog above your head like it's like a kid, and you just won the Super Bowl, and you're celebrating on the field with your son. And I was just like – in that moment still, like I'm so excited. I'm so happy. But I, I remember looking over and thinking that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I'm still – I'm, I'm laughing just thinking about it right now. And now that you bring it up, I yeah, I remember uh, that was talked about, <laughs> I guess, at the lunch table for a couple weeks, the, the celebration there. But, yeah, I mean the fact that like that shot happened um, and it's not even like – the biggest three hit at Marquette within the next 10 years. Cause we had the Jerry Smith buzzer beater um, is and even Francisco more amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Cisco hit one, obviously um, I get, well, if you could rank the three, what would you rank them? Um, I mean, Jerry is the only true buzzer beater. So that's gotta be number one, right? I mean, I Jerry. So I was in college when Jerry hit his and we were in Lexington at a BW3s, and you're like, oh, God, it's Lexington. I mean, it was packed with Louisville fans. And when he hit it, it was one of the biggest riots I've ever been a part of. I mean, like, there was food flying, hats going. I mean, just pure chaos. So one of the better, better memories that I've had um, watching a game. I'd, I'd probably put Reese at two. And Franny's was awesome, but just the other two were better. So I put yeah. Franny at three. So the, the night of the Jerry Smith game, solid side tangent. Like I was in Louisville. We went to the old Molly Malone's on Brownsboro Road and the entire like not the entire team, but like six or seven of the players come in. And you could tell it was like a older guys. This is our night to like show the younger guys like like David Padgett was absolutely the ringleader. And he's like like Derek character, who is very underage at this point in time, is just ripping shots like he's in a desert and just found water for the first time. Like it was a it was a, it was a wonderful <laughs> night. Um and Jerry was there. Jerry was having a good time, uh, as Jerry deserved to do. But I'm with you. Like I, I think this shot obviously was tougher. This game was better. But Jerry's was a true buzzer beater. But anyways, the game's not over here. They've still got, what, five and a half seconds left to go. And I, this is one thing that I don't think I'd ever noticed. Novak's wide open on, on this play. Like If Wade, Wade turns to Diener and throws in the ball, if he turns to his right, there's nobody on that side of the floor. And Novak has a wide open shot to try and tie this game. Yeah, and Franny, obviously we know what happened a couple years later when he's trying to defend an end-of-the-game three with Darius Washington. Yeah. I mean, he is right up in um, – what's it? Who, who shot – I can't even remember Steiner. who shot it. Yeah, it was, I, he is literally like right up in Diener's shit, which, I mean, you almost could have called a foul there. Um, you know, we didn't get like a really good angle of it, but yeah, like you said, Novak was wide open. I noticed that too when I was watching and, um, you know, pretty thankful for how that, that would have been, you know, as, as crazy as the game was, I can't even imagine if they would have hit that. I had the exact same note written down too about Garcia guarding that play. It was like, it's very, very similar to the way he defended, uh, Darius Washington at the end of the Memphis game two years later, which in, in, you know, retrospect is sort of weird, but Anyways, that's the end of the game. I, I I don't think I'd remembered like Reese, who had a little bit of bad blood with the, the, both Wisconsin and Marquette when he chose to go out of state. I think some people had said some stuff to him. He's talking a, a pretty significant amount of shit to the crowd. It looks like, and I love it. It's it's wonderful. 
Yeah, and someone, I, I, it might have been Taekwon, ripped their shirt off. I couldn't even tell who it was. I think um, it was Taekwon. Yeah, but no, I mean, I, at that point, I mean, God, you got to think we're 19-2 and two with a, a top five ranking, and Reese comes home and hits a game-winning three against his hometown state. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they were about as charged up as you possibly could be at that time. Also, very solid bench reaction from the god Simon Nader. Oh, uh, oh God. I was going to say Simon Nader. I mean, even he got some, like, a couple games where he made a significant impact in his career. And, like, he was just buried down there. And then we forgot. I, I looked at the roster last night. Uh, Joshua Tinch, one of the best bench celebrators of all time. 100%. Um, he was on there. Uh, and then Corrick Riggs, Fairdale High. Shout yeah. out. What's up? Didn't he uh, dunk on you guys like 50 he, times? He did. Uh, he was. <laughs> I remember I was like, holy shit, this guy is really good. Um, I, I I think he was that the only year he played there. I, I don't know. I don't even remember where he went um, after that. But anyway, shout out Cork Riggs. But just an absolute deep team that if I wouldn't have watched that game, I never would have remembered. I, I had the yeah the, the same thought and I'd forgotten too that Prelude Davis actually started this season on the team like he was I remember the year before he was supposed like he was going to be the guy who like saved us at point guard at the end oh of the yeah game. and then he just sucked he started like one exhibition game and we never saw him again I'd forgotten he's got if you look at the official roster he played in 10 games this year he's not on the team at this point in the season but shout out to Prelude Davis wherever you are um I also I, I kind of reached out I don't did you remember seeing the stuff about Eric Brown from like after he graduated from Louisville, he had some significant mental health issues, um, and there were some really sad stories written about him. He tried to go play basketball in Ireland. He had some conspiracy theories about like the CIA. It was it, you can find it if you want to Google it. It's some super weird stuff. But I reached out to a couple of players, including uh, friend of the podcast Marcus Maven, and was like, "Does anybody know what's up with Eric Brown? Can you talk to some guys who are on the team?" And everybody that I talked to said, "We haven't heard from him in a long time. We don't know what's going on," which makes me a little bit sad and certainly a little bit worried. So if you listen, if you listen to the podcast right now and you have some sort of clue as to what Eric Brown's up to and you can let us know, uh, feel free to drop it in the uh, the pod comments or tweet at me or send me an email or what have you. But uh, Eric Brown certainly hope the best for him. He was a underrated player. He was the yeah. leading freshman scorer in America when he was at, I think, Moorhead State before he transferred to Louisville and then played a solid role for us for three years. So uh, he was a – and I, I was with you. I'd kind of forgotten just how much of an impact he had on this team until I watched this game. Yeah, no, he definitely, I mean, had a significant impact um, for UofL. Uh, I, I can't remember, was he, did he play under Denny or was his first year um, when Rick got there? Because I know he was there Rick's first year because I remember him during the Tennessee comeback. Um, I remember seeing him there, but I can't remember if he played under Denny or not. I think his, so I, I think he played at Moorhead one year. And then I think Denny's last year, he was sitting out for transfer. Okay. So I think his first year eligible here was was Rick's first year. If I'm, I could be wrong about that, but I think that's right. So, uh, anyways, we'll talk real quickly after this game. You know, Louisville they lose to Marquette at Freedom Hall. Ellis tears his ACL. They go on a little bit of a slide. They get things right in, in this USA tournament. They lose to um, to Butler in the second round of the NCAA tournament. I still think overall, even though it ended in such a shitty fashion, this is one of my favorite seasons just of, of college basketball in general because all the reasons we mentioned at the beginning, just the, the feeling of Louisville being back. But also, this was a great like Louisville-Kentucky rivalry year because we you know, we housed them in the game in, in December, and then we both go on these gigantic runs 
And I'll never forget, like, when we started losing, we would, like, <laughs> we'd be, like, in the parking lot before school and be like, okay, here's the deal. Like, <laughs> they're better than we are right now. Yeah, exactly We've got to stick to our guns here. Like, we, like, just keep bringing up the game. Just keep bringing up the head-to-head. Just, like, keep saying the SEC sucks. But, like, we know that Kentucky's probably better than we are right now. And I remember still vividly, like, at our – I think it was it was either like our senior prom or that Sacred Heart Junior Senior prom. Like some, like we're in the middle of the the dance floor, and some big dude who I've never seen in my entire life like bumps into me and starts like giving me shit, and like he's like, I'm like, oh shit, like this guy's gonna snap me in half. And then a, a CARDS chant breaks out, and we both start doing it together, and he gives me like the biggest hug in the world. Like it was just <laughs> such a fun time. They're like we had like the dueling CATS chants. It was just such a fun time to have like this. You know, big time rivalry feeling like it was back. It was just a, a wonderful season. I wish Louisville been able to play into the second weekend, but, and also like we had the, we had the promise that this was just the beginning that like, you know, greater yeah. things on the horizon and this game, I mean, maybe was the pinnacle of, of this year besides, I guess besides the Kentucky win. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that it had been since 1997, since we had, or 96 and we had tasted any success. And that was like, the start of like UK's heyday where they won the title 96, 97, they lose to Arizona. They win the title 98. So we had been putting up with shit from UK fans for, you know, the last seven years and to finally be able to like get back on their level. Um, you know, I know it didn't end the way we wanted to, but like you said, just an absolutely fun team and a fun season. So there it is. Marquette sucks. Travis Diener sucks. Reese Gaines is awesome. Tom Crean sucks. Denny Crum rules. That's uh, is pretty much the summary. We're going to do more of these. Um, we're taking more suggestions. A bunch of you guys have already reached out. Also, like it was cool as hell seeing everybody like sending me the tweets and stuff of them watching this game. Like I know that there were some Zoom groups. People were, were sending me those pictures. Um, people were sending me their thoughts throughout the week. Like that, It was a whole lot of fun. I'm glad you guys have enjoyed this. And also, I'll make a quick note. I've told Dan this already. Like Our most listened podcasts have been – the last three, like every podcast that we've done over the last month has been uh, more listened to than the ones we did in the actual season. I don't know if that's word spreading or, or just whatever, but that's really cool because the numbers initially were extremely high and I thought there's no way we can keep this up, but to see it go even higher uh, throughout this period just makes me want to do more. And I wish we could do more, but circumstances right now are, are kind of limiting that, but we're definitely going to do more of these games. Uh, send your suggestions out. Uh, we'll definitely take over. It's not just going to be only basketball we'll do some football maybe we'll do some other sports if we can find those as well but hopefully you guys enjoyed this hopefully uh, if you haven't watched the game if you didn't watch the game and you still listen to this and now you want to go back feel free to do that as well but uh dan enjoyed it we'll do more of these loved it man go cards go cards